On this week in sales, we're going to be taking a look at online B2B marketplaces, Sandler and Vidyard teaming up, how car buyers want to hear from product experts and not sleazy salespeople, and much, much more. My name is Will Barron. I'm the founder of Salesman.org, and I'm joined, the host of this show, sales legend, Victor Antonio. How's it going, Victor? Will, it's going fantastic. All is good on my side. I got nothing new to report, really. All is good. How about you? I've got something new to report that we'll touch on towards the end of the show. A uh, Not a new hobby, but a renewed hobby for me is coming down the pipeline. And the audience, just to tease them, they might actually hear some of it on, on my show, uh, this show, and, and other shows over at Salesman.org as well. So I'll tee, tee it up and tease it with that, Victor. I think they're going to be shocked <laughs> when they find out what your side hobby is. So I'm looking forward to them uh, hearing your hobby. And I think it's going to become a side hustle as well. I think I'm going to go into it with the mindset of this has got to produce some kind of cash flow at some point in the future as well. So we can touch on that later on. But first topic of the day, we're going to touch on this. And we talked about it last week. We talked about it in previous episodes. And we're undoubtedly, I'm totally sold on this, Victor. We're going to talk about it moving forward as well. This is an article over at retailtimes.co.uk entitled, Why You're Going to Really Like B2B online marketplace. Now, this has got some data in the article, which I thought was interesting. Gartner has predicted by 2023, at least 70% of enterprise marketplaces launched will serve B2B transactions. Forrester explains that B2B buyers of Forrester explains that B2B buyers, only 38% of them now make purchases primarily through an enterprise rep, which I thought was an incredibly low number. B2B buyers, I thought it was 80, 90% of people were buying through reps. And there was another quote from the article here, which I thought was, uh, how to describe it? I thought was almost like chilling to the B2B sales space. If we know the beast that Amazon is today, this quote is, 20 years ago, people said Amazon is just a book retailer from Seattle. They pose no threat to us. And this is what I feel B2B marketplaces are going to be in the future, Victor. We're going to look at them and go, oh, buyers are never going to buy enterprise IT equipment from a, a, a random marketplace. B2B buyers are never going to buy HR SaaS software from some generic marketplace about dealing with a salesperson in between. What do you think, Victor? Do you think that there's the opportunity for buyers to buy from marketplaces, the equivalent of Amazon for B2B businesses? I mean, look at that number. Forrester explains B2B buyers, only 38% of B2B buyers now purchase. What do you mean? Only 38%. That's, I, I think that's a big number. That's it, That's going to be a trending number upward. And so I'm with you. And that quote on Amazon, that's, as they say, a harbinger. I had to use that word. A harbinger mm -hmm. of things to come. So I think what's happening is that, much like we talked about, I think last week, right, where we talked about Alibaba or maybe two weeks ago, yeah. uh, this is exactly what's happening. It's moving in that direction. If you think about, and I always look at it from the, the enterprise telecom industry, I'm buying boxes. Do you know what I mean? I'm buying routers, I'm buying servers, I'm buying boxes, and I don't need to talk to us. If I know what I want already, and if I have the domain expertise inside, in other words, I have a CIO or a CTO who knows what they're doing, why not just buy the boxes? I don't need to talk to a sales rep. And for sure, and so I've just been through this. We just spent 10 grand on Synology servers, uh, network storage servers. Now, I don't know, maybe not 10 years ago, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, to get this, well, yeah, to get the storage we've got right now, like 100 odd terabytes, it would be 100 grand, 200 grand, 500 grand. It would be a full rack. Well, we've got to not, we've got to, you can't underestimate the fact that products are becoming simpler to use. They're becoming more commodity like. I bought these Synology boxes without speaking to a rep, just bought them from whatever B2B uh, IT uh, software, uh, IT company that we got them from with all the hard drives and that. Because I just did the hard drives in. I set up a little bit of networking. It's not too difficult for me to set up as a non-expert in that space. And it's done. It's up there. I can see it on all the computers. It's all networked together. Now, 10 years ago, you'd probably have to have someone come on site to help you, or you'd have to have an IT expert insight on, on site to kind of manage all of this. So we've got both products becoming better, which means they're easier, simpler to use, less management, less overhead. At the same time, happening rapidly at the same time, that these marketplaces are popping up or will pop up over the next three or four years, which I'm convinced of, that there's going to be, there's just going to be a big smash in the face of this B2B sales marketplace. And again, I don't know, I don't know what it means for B2B sales reps. If I was a sales rep right now that didn't have a brand, wasn't an expert in my space, was jumping from job to job and, and going from industry to industry, I would be listening to myself right now and being and feeling slightly worried. Oh, I agree. I mean, think about the fact that 
these CIOs, these CTOs that they're probably bringing in right now, really have a great understanding of what's available in the market. So you as a salesperson, as you're pointing out, have to be that much more smarter. Not an easy task. And if you're just joining the market, you know that time to value where you can actually provide real value to any of these folks at a C-level is going to be very difficult. I think what also, I say, killed the B2B industry or is, is, is suffocating it is that we reach, you know, when you look at Six Sigma and the quality of the products that are coming out now, we expect them to last one, two, three, four years, right? It wasn't like back in the old days, for those of us who are old enough, moi, <laughs> where you're like, mm, I don't know if I buy that. Will it even last a year? Today, products are expected to last a year, two, three, four. And if something goes wrong, people want to replace them, right? Ship it back, you know, uh, RMA, yeah. get it back. Because if you don't, you're going to get a low net promoter score online. And so there's that incentive to make sure that we're happy. So if I don't need to buy from a salesperson because I can figure this stuff out my own with all the videos and all the content online, high quality products, and as you pointed out again very wisely, is that the products are becoming very simple to use. Plug, play, turn this button on, flip that switch, it's all in, let's put it all together. It makes sense, man. It's a natural progression. For sure. And another thing that I thought was interesting, which I'll just comment on quickly, it talks about e-commerce 3.0. So it talks about e-commerce being originally, I own a shop, I sell soap, Victor. I don't know why this is top of mind. I sell soap. You come to my store. I stock it. I create it. I market it. You come to me. You buy it. Great. And then it talks about e-commerce 2.0, which is Amazon now, whereas I can't compete with Amazon on a distribution level. I can't, I can't store stuff as cheaply as them. I can't ship it as quickly and as cheaply as them. So what I do now is I ship my, my soap to Amazon. You buy it from the Amazon marketplace. They handle a lot of stuff in the background and it goes off to you. They take a cut and hopefully there's enough profit left over for me to continue marketing and, and continue growing the business. They're talking now about e-commerce 3.0, which hasn't really happened in, because what big warehouses and, and distribution networks, that might be like ebuyer.com here in the UK, massive uh, IT uh, retailer, massive company, or scan.co.uk, massive companies. So I, it'd be very difficult for me to start my own IT technology company because I'd never be able to compete with them on a shipment price uh, and, and distribution level. So that's e-commerce 2.0. When we get into e-commerce 3.0, we're now starting to talk about, um, okay, it's, uh, what was the, uh, the, the website where you can go and book a, a stay in someone's house? Uh, Air, Airbnb. 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 So uh, Airbnb has no stock. It's just just this platform that has masses of attention eyeballs on it. And so it can handle both sides of the equation of uh, driving market uh, viewership and also serving the customer from, from both sides, right? Or Uber, same thing. They don't have a stock of, of cars. They barely even have a, a stock of, of, of drivers because they're all you know, zero, con zero time contracts in the UK or freelancers elsewhere in the world. They're talking about e-commerce 3.0 being like that. So you may still do all the shipments, you may still do all the hard work, but there'll be one website in the B2B marketplace that'll just have so much attention, so much eyeballs that no one will ever be able to compete with it. And we can talk about this on a wider level of the internet becoming siloed of people spend so much time on Facebook, spend so much time on Netflix, they spend so much time in Gmail, that all small sites like salesman.org and other sites like that, they're getting less, less you know, salesman.org is not a good example, but smaller sites getting less and less traffic because oh, it's, it almost becomes a mental burden to remember that domain name and go there versus I can consume that person's content on Facebook or on LinkedIn instead. So as everything becomes more siloed, if there is one B2B marketplace in this e-commerce 3.0 uh, movement that everyone's trying to push towards, those people are trying to capture, it will just become such a, a beast that no one will ever be able to compete with it until the internet gets turned on its head by the next thing that comes along, VR, whatever it is. I, I, I wonder if there's a space, as I'm listening to you, I'm going, you know, great points, by the way. I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, is there room, Is there, and I think there is, let's say there was a an IT marketplace, right? IT marketplace, telecom marketplace, pharmaceutical marketplace, and maybe what we're going to start seeing is baby Amazons, but more specifically for a subject, you know, a category of products. Mm -hmm. We will for sure see that because Amazon started doing books, right? I can't remember the slogan, but it was essentially all the all the books, cheapest prices, fastest shipping. If you can do that, if you can have every product in the marketplace, fastest shipping, uh, lowest prices, why would you go anywhere else? You wouldn't. You, you're just going to go there. So if someone can do that um, with drugs, if you could get uh, Merck, GlaxoSmithKline, whoever else to combine, get all of the 
you know, the drug services on one platform and, you know, maybe they share ownership of it. This clearly would never happen, but there's some way of doing it, licensing agreements. But pharmacists, pharmacies are always going to go, doctors are always going to go to that one place, that one resource, because it's, it's a better service for them. Because everything's going to be there. I, I was thinking, you, you and I are in the business of AV, right? Audio and video. Sure. Like, what if there was a mega site for audio and video equipment with all the best of the best products are there, all the reviews, and that's all it's all about? I mean, is there, I mean, B&H is a big site here in the U.S., and that could be get, be considered a big marketplace, it's actually a company. But, yeah, I think you're onto something. I think, you know, these little silos are going to pop up. And you know what's going to happen. Then Amazon's going to gobble each of them up or absorb them. That's what's going to happen. I bet I bet that's what's going to happen. What do you think, Will? For sure. Well, they're going to try. But then if you look at Alibaba and Amazon, both do insane revenue numbers and they can't really compete because of the demographic or not necessarily the, the geographic of what Alibaba is and the 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 foundational like connections they have with people in that uh, Chinese and Asian marketplace. It's very difficult to Amazon to, one, get into China because of the great Chinese firewall that the government has to stop uh, outside brands coming and operating without some level of Chinese control. So there'll always be like, uh, I don't think there'll be one retailer of all time, but there'll definitely be siloed retailers of the pharmaceutical drugs company retailer or e-commerce platform. Um, and what let's tie it back to sales because that's really negative for the audience here. I, and I, I genuinely see a lot of sales jobs. As soon as this happens, gone, disappeared, it's over. But what will happen is if you've got an audience this mega B2B brand, uh, B2B e-commerce brand, they will want you on their platform. They will want you in their community. They will want you to become a subject matter expert and your face will drive clicks, traffic, and trust on, on the platform itself. So that's where, if you're listening to this, you've got to be heading towards that way. You've got to be actually knowledgeable and not just a bullshit artist, which we'll come on to in a second when we talk about uh, car buyers. Um, and then you've got to get yourself out there. You've got to have some kind of message, some kind of platform, and you've got to build. It doesn't have to be a big audience. You know, if I'm selling medical devices here, and my uh, geographic area is, is North Yorkshire or West Yorkshire, where I live, I only need to have an audience of 35 surgeons. And if they all know, like, and trust me, the cliche, more than anyone else, then I'm going to get business every time. So I'm not talking about thousands of people in your audience, but you've got to have a message and you've got to be able to, you've got to be public facing and accountable to some of this. And I feel like the people who invest in that right now, they're the salespeople that are going to have massive success. Not just not just average success, but massive success over the next kind of five, 10 years moving forward. Yeah, the numbers are there. I mean, what if you're seeing the trend line again, to sum it up, B2B market is being disrupted slowly if not degraded slowly. So you got to find a way to stay in the game. And what you're suggesting is, I think, appropriate, which is how do you create a brand where people want to come to you? Totally different way of thinking. But anyway, I want to talk about staying in the game. Sandler and Vidyar create new technology partnership to bring video for remote sales training to businesses. Now, there's nothing really new here, but it's interesting. So I wanted to highlight. I like Sandler. I like Vidyar. They're getting together, high-fiving, kumbayaing together in the sales world. Sandler, training organization, if you don't know who they are, and Vidyard, video platform, have joined forces to help sales teams embrace personalized video to better connect with customers and prospects. Tyler Lassard, I assume that's how you pronounce it, VP of Marketing, Chief Video Strategist at Vidyard, says, I quote, we will help sales teams learn how to connect with more prospects and close more deals faster in this virtual world. Mike Montague, Globe, Global Head of Content at Sandler remarked, this is a very collaborative partnership. Vidyard has created a tool that is cutting edge, easy to use, and will help salespeople save time and create simple, effective videos. This was on PRNewsWire.com. And I'm going to take the sarcastic approach to this one. <laughs> well, one second before you do. Tyler is a listener of the show. I know he, he is. I know he is. I know right he is. Just, I'm just not, before. I'm not afraid just of Tyler. I just want to get in Tyler, there. Just Tyler Lassard, I'm not afraid of you, man. I'm not afraid of you, man. <laughs> I like you. You sent me some. Uh, we've communicated via LinkedIn. I'm yeah. not afraid of you. I can't, I can't be biased here, man. I got I got to zoom back. And go. Okay. The real value here is that Vidyard has put together a good tool. No doubt they have a great tool. Sandler has one heck of a brand. And you know what I see? I see Vidyard leveraging that brand because I think they have like 270 offices. And so Vidyard has scored big in my book. Sandler has done okay. But I think Vidyard is the big winner. Tyler, I'm high-fiving you, man. To me, and that's, the, that's my cynical side of this because I think the winner here is Vidyard. 
Because Vidyard now, I imagine, because now Sandler's going to recommend only one platform. Which one is it? Vidyard. Sandler's embedded, again, 270 offices. They're embedded throughout the world. I mean, this is a big win for Vidyard. Now, for Sandler, man, listen here, Matt. Who is it? Mike Montague, Eminem. Listen up. You better have gotten a great deal because you've just given them access to your global platform. That's what I'm talking about. I think it's a great partnership, though, altogether. Good idea. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of this coming. I feel like this gives Vidyard, there's Vidyard, there's Wistia. This is what Tyler was uh, commenting on last time we, we communicated on LinkedIn. There's, there's multiple platforms that do very similar things. And there's some subtlety to how they do them and the user interfaces. And then Vidyard has quite a cool brand and the, the logo and, and hero image and stuff on well, the website. By the way, my, 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 cool. issue, my issue with Vidyard was when you insert phrases like this, has a cutting edge... What, what's, what's the cutting edge? It's just a beautiful gooey, man. Easy to use, very effective. What is cutting edge? That's what, Tyler, I'm putting you on notice, man. In fact, go to thisweekinsales.com. You tell me why this is cutting edge. Love the tool, though. But is it really cutting edge? I think other companies are doing a lot of things that are very similar. Yeah, the, the product... Not the the marketplace for products like this is somewhat commoditized. You can spin up programming is so cheap, um, and you to to build a to build it at scale and the infrastructure is the difficult bit as opposed to to be able to build a software tool like this that can do it for four people in a sales team, right? So the background side of things is probably way more difficult to host videos, crazy expensive, um. So there's probably a lot more going on in the background than what I understand, but. When you have a brand, like Sandler's a really well-known brand, right? If you have that logo on your site, not as people from this company use our product. We've got like 2,000 odd people in our training program over at salesman.org. So I've got essentially unlimited logos that I can put on the website. They don't mean anything. But when you say, hey, Sandler's put their hand up and they want to partner with us. We want to work with them. That is, I feel that's massive. And that separates them from, from other similar products you know, if I recognize that Sandler brand, if I'm a Sandler customer, clearly I'm, I'm going to be massively gravitating towards that. So I think it's a big win for them. But I'm going to show Tyler some love here. This is a great deal. <laughs> this is a great win for you, man. If your boss is listening, send him this video or audio. And I'm telling you right now, you deserve a raise. I don't know how much you make, but you better get a raise because this is a great move, man. Well, talking about raises, let's talk about car salespeople no longer existing and so commissions getting wiped and product experts being put in their place. This is an article from cardealermagazine.co.uk entitled, Car Buyers Want to Hear from, quote, Product Experts, end quote, not sold by incentivized salespeople. Now this is, I think Goodman, it quotes Goodman in the article, doesn't explain who he is. I think he's like the SVP over at uh, Polestar. Uh, Polestar, are you familiar with Polestar as a brand, Victor? I am not. They're a Tesla competitor. I've only ever seen one. I think there's one near where I live. It's like, like they're like a hundred grand. They're expensive. It's an electric car. They're trying to do cool. Like Tesla's a cool brand because Elon Musk is a cool guy, right? Polestar are trying to do the same kind of thing. Be be the disruptors. Be the the you know the people doing shenanigans in their marketing that side of things. So it's a cool brand. Um, so Goodman, who formerly ran Peugeot in the UK, said, "By the way, Polestar is he a cool guy? Is Goodman?" A cool mm -hmm. guy. Is he, does he have that Elon Musk-esque type of... Uh, he's not Elon Musk. Okay, he doesn't I do have know, that I don't know him personally. Okay. But right. to go from running Peugeot in the UK and then comparing him with a chap who basically made online purchases a normal thing, who is putting people eventually on Mars to replicate the human race because he's really nervous of, uh, you know, a, 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 an explosion from the sun coming out, wiping electronics out. He's, he's nervous about, uh, you know, North Korean nuclear weapons causing nuclear holocaust throughout the, the world. He literally wants to replicate, double down the human race, put it on a different planet in case one of these, um, what do they call it? The great filter events happen. I don't know. Goodman could be cool. Yeah, but uh, Good, with that, he, pretty he needs to up his game. Goodman, I don't even know him, but he needs to up his game. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, he said, Polestar wanted to rethink the way it sold his electric cars to, to customers and work with dealers who thought the same. Goodman explains that Polestar decides to take commission-paid salespeople out of the equation. Now, I've been talking about this on the show for years, since my dad bought a car, maybe like 
three years ago. Now, maybe probably three years ago. And we went into the, the the it's like a car supermarket. Told this story many times on the sales podcast. I probably talked about it on here. Went in, the guy shakes our hands, goes, hey, look, I don't get a commission. Uh, or I do get a commission and it's based on a survey that you do if you buy a car from us, if you don't buy a car from us, it's only a small bonus. I'm not a salesperson. I'm literally here to help you pick, choose a car. If you need help, let me know. If you don't need help, don't let me know. And that was a brand new buying experience for me. I'd never been through that before. And genuinely, that company, oh, I can't remember the company's name now. It's a massive car supermarket, car supermarket in the UK. That company's had probably a hundred grand worth of business because all my dad's friends now have, you know, 20, 30, 40 grand cars from this this company. So probably over hundred grand of business has come from this one and everyone I've talked about, the thousands of people that have listened to the show have heard me talk about it. So now, there's definitely yes. something to this, right? <laughs> and again now, right? So you're just, pr you're just yeah. promoting that company. They should pay you, Will. They shouldn't pay me. If you provide a really good product and service, I will, I'm happy to talk about it. BMW, Leeds, Mini Leeds, same company, Stratstone. Shittest company I've ever dealt with in the whole of my life. I literally will never buy, I'm a massive fan of BMW, I'll never buy another BMW because of the hassle I've had with both BMW Mini and uh, uh, Stratstone Mini and Stratstone BMW here in Leeds. I will slag them off until the, the end of time. Terrible company, terrible service. Um, so, so it goes both ways. If you provide great uh, product or service to me, I'll I'll promote you. I don't need to be paid. If you are if you provide a terrible service on a premium product, then uh, I will uh, kind of run you through the ringer as well. All right, BMW. There goes your net promoter score. I I, I just felt that slip a little bit. You go on the uh, BMW. I come up the, the the the. There's a feedback site that car dealerships use in the UK, and Stratstone BMW leads. Just terrible reviews. Every single review, terrible, 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 terrible service. I had terrible service from them. Um, and the, the best, this is the best example. I'll, I'll end up with this because I'll end up on a rant here, Victor, right? It's a total rant. Go so on. <laughs> had a load of issues. It cost me like four grand to get the car fixed. Fine, it's a performance car. There's going to be expensive problems. When when there's problems, there's, there are big problems, right? And BMW UK, which is not part of the dealership network, BMW UK, put like three or four grand into it. To, they paid for like half of one of the failures. So like, great, fine. And then the service afterwards is terrible. So that was it. Never going to deal with them again. Never take it there to get serviced. It is what it is. They sent me a, a feedback form saying, hey, how how was your visit with us? So I filled it in. And I was I was not, I was polite. I said, hey, very literally, it was, hey, I really like BMW. I feel like you've let me down. Yada, 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 yada. Here's your feedback scores. Here's what you could do to improve. Uh, you know, coming from the place of I'm a small business owner, something like that, if it gets read, maybe it doesn't, would be really valuable, right? And the end of it is, guys, hey, uh, the feedback clearly here, this was automated. The feedback here clearly wasn't great. Um, one of our team will call you and see if we can help you out. So no call came, of course, because it's a terrible company and a terrible dealership. So then a month later, I get another feedback form to ask about the call that I've not had. They sent me a feedback form to, to follow up on the call that didn't happen because they're idiots. So yeah, so that's that's where I am with those. But going back to the actual point here, um, again, quoting Goodman, he says, no customer walks into a Polestar space is going to have an order form put an order form put under their nose. They're not going to be put under any pressure. What they will meet is someone who knows the product inside out, who can who can listen to what they want. Is that what sales should be, Victor, or is that customer service? Is sales having a conversation essentially with an agenda because people are commercially incentivized? To close deals. Well, I think I mentioned this. I did a uh, uh, a series of webinars for for uh, a car dealership company out of Puerto Rico, and so it forced me to kind of go in and look at the data. And I thought it was interesting how it, in the past uh, you would visit three to four dealerships. I think it was, but today people visit one point two dealerships before making a decision, which means they visit one essentially. And then we talked about the buyer journey ad nauseum already. People walk in there 80, 90% into the buying cycle. The last thing they want is somebody to what sell them. I say they're all, they want three things. Confirmation, clarification, and give me the confidence that I'm making the right buying decision. That's what they want. I think moving to a non-commission base uh, per salesperson is a great idea. I would find a way to incentivize the team, people working together. Hey, the more we sell as a team the more we're going to make. I love that idea better because I think it works in this environment. The consumer has the information. You know this already. They have the power. 
trying to sell them comes across, as you pointed out, a little sleazy. And it's also laziness on the salesperson's part, because today, going back to our topic on B2B, you got to be a product expert, a domain expert on that subject. In this case, those cars. That's what people are looking for. For sure. I agree. I talked about it. I talked about it with Daniel Disney on the Social Selling Show uh, last week, which will probably come out in a couple of weeks now. I'm having trouble selling, um, proactively selling our ad space on the podcast because everyone I reach out to goes, hey, I listen to the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump on a phone call with you. And so I don't get to practice what I preach, which is a problem. Um, I, a conversation for another time. Maybe maybe you, maybe you can talk about that next week on the show of how how to how you trust someone to teach you how to do something when they're not doing it themselves. I think this is perhaps an issue that we can talk about in a future episode. Um, but the, but there's testament of if you are a product expert and you what we talked about at the top of the show. Well, I ranted about the top of the show. I just threw it at you. Uh, if you're an expert and you're known as an expert, all of this nonsense about manipulation, even just overtly trying to influence someone, it doesn't have to exist. You can make your life so much easier by just doing that little bit of work up front. Yeah, sometimes I think sales trainers uh, create all these different strategies that nobody's ever going to use. They're good in theory, but in practice, you know, I had this conversation yesterday, I was doing some training, and I told the guy, I said, look, at the end of the day, you need maybe one, maybe two different closes. That's it. You know, because if you know how you're going to get there and you know where you're going to land on the call to action, you don't need to memorize a thousand and one closing techniques. If you know what their issues are, you know what the objections are, and you can block those, then guess what? You don't have to memorize all these different strategies. So I don't know. Your 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 line, I, I've complimented you many times on this. I love your new the, the academy, Selling Made Simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. I say in the Sales Influence Podcast at the end, how do I close out? Selling ain't hard when you know how because there's not much to it if you really think about it. There's a lot of psychology in there, but not much into it. But I do want to talk about a little bit about sales intelligence, if I can shift topic here. Sales intelligence leader, Intro Hive. Oh man, I'm looking for some new names here. Intro Hive and Aguilar Partner. So sales intelligence leader, Intro Hive and Aguilar have formed a partnership. Yep, we're talking about another partnership here, Will. Now, there's, there's something special in here. Because you probably looked at this and go, oh, why do you put this one in the show notes? IntroHive is a sales enablement intelligence company, uh, a company, right? It's a CRM company. But Equilar, or Equilar, depending on where you're from in the country, is a leading provider of corporate leadership data solutions. In other words, it has information on specifically executives and board members. And I looked at their website, and for executive and board members, they have over a million plus contacts in there. So they announced this partnership to work together. So it's basically a CRM system working with a, a data resource of executive and board members. And I'll quote uh, David Chun, who's the CEO of Equilar, uh, understanding the interconnectedness of, interconnectedness of business relationship beyond just who you know is an important part of future of enterprise relationship management. Now, I thought that was an interesting phrase, enterprise relationship management. Had you heard that phrase before? I have not because this dude has just made it up to sound different when what he's doing is Salesforce and Data.com. HubSpot have their own uh, kind of internal list of, of outreach as well. And I, I, I'm still waiting for the magic here, Victor, that you're going to throw at me that thought, makes this well, worthy of being on this show. Wait a minute. So, so, but I'm not so, look, I'm not, I'm not putting down Intro Hive. Intro Hive doesn't move my needle. But this Ecular, you know, is an, if you're a CRM company today and you're looking for that data resource, like where would you go for that? A lot of companies probably don't know where to find it unless you're with Salesforce. But let's say you don't have Salesforce. This company to me represents a very interesting data source. And that was to me quite magical. In other words, uh, with the combined offering, customers will realize enhanced visibility into the C-level and board members' relationship that drive revenue, blah, 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 shorten sales cycles, through connection to key decision makers and influencers. Again, to me, I've never heard of a company specifically focused on actual that type of data will, which is just, you know, executives and corporate board members. This doesn't do it for me. What would do it for me, if you come across Box, I think it's Box with two X's, boxstep.com. Boxstep.com. Yeah, chat behind it. It's Kevin, I've had him on the show in the past. What his software does, we didn't do it for you automatically, but it allows you to uh, frame out the organization within an account. 
of uh, you have you obviously have your C-suite at the top, middle management, end users. You can document relationships, conversations, different things going on, the uh, politics within the account. Now, if somebody came to me with an executive database that outlined all of that, that would be really interesting. But if that but would if you but if you're a large game changing. But if you're a large company and you're looking for board members to add to your company, what name pops to mind? To add board members, if I want to add board, I, I got a large company. I want to add board members. I don't know. Don't know. This is this is what I'm talking about. Will. I'm just trying to say here's 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 a company that has that content and information. The executive piece is okay, a little vanilla, if you know what I mean, right? But I think the when you're looking for board members, I think this is a great resource. So, I think Ekilar, if I pronounce it right, is 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 a great find on thisweekinsales.com. <laughs> if you don't think so, go to the website thisweekinsales.com and tell me if I'm wrong. It's E Q. U-I-L-A-R.com. So I, I think it's pretty interesting. I'm just trying to bring, I'm trying to bring some new flavor here to the show, Will. I'm just I, trying to, you know. You I know, appreciate it. I, 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 I feel I'll like I'm not appreciated for my abilities to go out and try to find just these odd items out there to kind of really add to the value of this show. It's all I'm trying to do for you, Will. Here, I'm just let, trying to add value, man. Let, let's get real, right? For, for, the, for the one person who's listening right now, who's, who is the CEO of a large company who's looking to add board members, for that one individual, that is probably a, a useful tip. Now, for the rest of the audience, I really don't think... But that moves their needle. But wait a minute. They also have executives in there. So this might be a new data source is all I'm saying. You know, okay, if you don't like this, well, let me go to the next one. Then. Okay, so uh, I don't know if it's a Lego or a Yego because two L's in Spanish is Y. So it's, I, but I think it's a Lego. And Corporate Visions, one of my favorite companies, elevate customer conversations for 30,000 sales and marketing professionals through the world-class enablement technology. Through world-class enablement technology, Corporate Visions, marketing, sales, training, consulting, coaching company, will be accessible within customers' daily workflow via a Lego sales enablement platform. Uh, so it's an all-in-one platform. And the goal here is that, and I'll read this, uh, provides an all-in-one sales enablement platform that ensures sellers have the skills, knowledge, and content they need to optimize sales teams in a virtual world. I quote Doug Hutton, SVP of Products of Corporate Vision, Lego has all the power and capabilities we need to deliver and manage every piece of digital content we build for marketing, sales, and customer success. Now, I'm not saying this is an aha moment, but it's a piece of news, right? Because you're seeing these partnerships, again, being pulled yeah. together, much like Sandler and Vidyard, very similar. I don't think there's anything new here other than a good partnership and the fact that people are becoming more aware that they need sales enablement platforms to manage a lot of their content for salespeople. What I like about this is, so I would also oh, call you actually it like some, Wait, wait, you actually like something okay. about this. Just yeah, the last sure. one was terrible, yeah. but this one is great. I would call it also, I'd call it Aligo. So we're perhaps like totally off ball, off track of the company name, which is not our fault if you've got a ridiculous company name. There's a lot of sales enablement companies, Victor. Oh, have we lost Victor? The weekly loss of uh, consciousness of Victor's happening. Wait, wait, wait. I like the way you you always like, you know, kind of scold me about going negative and then you do it. It's like, it's always funny. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Will. Just go ahead. Just go ahead, man. Just go ahead and do what you have to do. Sales enablement companies, there's a lot of them out there. And they're creating these frameworks of here's where you can put content, Here's how we can use micro learning or whatever to get it into the brains of your audience. And then the end result is hopefully if these two steps work, X result. And on the front of the website, it says 500 times the retention, um, marketing content actually get used, yada, yada. But it, it's all dependent on the what goes in. If you, It's the, the coding analogy of garbage in, garbage out. What these companies need is exactly what they've done with, because I think... Um, uh, Corporate visions are like world class in their content. I, I love their content. I've had a bunch of the you know execs on the show on on sales and podcast and, and, and different interviews, different things over over the past few years. I really really like their content. I think that the, and the, they've just set up. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, they've just set up essentially a, a spin off company, a research lab, just doing research for the B two B sales and marketing uh, marketplace. So love all that. Uh, all data backed. All all science and numbers. So I really trust their content. So if I was looking for a sales enablement platform and I know that their content is going to be fed into it and I get access to this 
this, this data-backed content, and I can use that as maybe a starting point for some of our training, or maybe that guides me through how to create training or, or however it works, that immediately elevates the sales enablement platform way higher on my list of commodity products versus the rest of the marketplace. So, so a connection like that can be, you know, I don't know what it does for corporate visions because I feel like it might be somewhat diluting the content that they're offering if I can just go here, there, and everywhere and get all of it. It depends whether you want to be like, you know, exclusive and premium or if you want to just be kind of ubiquitous across the marketplace. Um, but yeah, that 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 would that would be a game changer for me. Seeing that brand, I would I would buy the Aligo's product over another product just to get the yeah, corporate visions content. Okay, so by the way, let us know if it's Aligo or Alego. This week in sales.com. I, I like what you I like what you just said because I and I think it's unfortunate that, and this is my perception, I could be wrong, you can correct me, that corporate visions, the company, doesn't get enough credit for for producing what I think is some of the best, yeah, probably the best content in sales out mm -hmm. there. It's data back. I mean, I would also say I like the, I like the stuff Gong produces. I'll put that out to, off to the side. But again, I think corporate visions is at, is at another level, and they look they have a more three hundred and sixty degree view. A lot of data back, backed research, and the books that they've write, the people over there, they're writing some great content. So I really like the company. I think Alego or Aligo, I think they're the winners in this partnership. For sure. I think the problem with corporate visions is if I could, I think they're awesome. If I could criticize them slightly, is they don't because they do a great job like storytelling and and there's learning design and a lot of their content it explains things very well but I don't feel like they have a face it's like what we're trying to do over at salesman.org with our product with the characters if you could have they, they use stick men they use diagrams um, uh, Tim over there is an, an well, incredible they, speaker well they have a style of videos of him yeah Tim Reister is a fantastic yep. speaker they they have a style a look yep. but. If we can criticize them, or I'll criticize them, so you, you won't get in trouble, is that for a company that knows how to tell a sales story, it seems like they don't tell their sales story well enough, and they're that good. That's actually a backhanded compliment. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish they told their story better or were able to market it more effectively because they, they are a great company. For sure. And it might just be because they're only trying to get in front of executives, and at the executive level, everyone knows them, everyone trusts them, everyone uses them. It might be that they don't care about individual salespeople, and so they don't want a big YouTube channel. It like doesn't add, doesn't move the needle. Doesn't what's the saying? Like you, you've got to do stuff that makes the makes the boat go faster. That's the that's the saying, isn't it? From Olympic, uh, I think it's a US Olympic rower. The only thing he does is the only things he does are things that are going to make the boat go faster. If driving attention to end users of the content because they don't have budget, maybe that doesn't make the boat go faster. So they just spend all the time with executives. So maybe that's the, the point here. But I feel like if they, if they hired someone like yourself, Victor, or they hired, there's tons of personalities in this space that have some kind of uh, you know, brand, that have a YouTube channel, that have a podcast, just that extra spin could like really blow things up from an attention perspective. For all we know, maybe they're so badass that it's like one of those high-end products that mm -hmm. carries no name. You look at it, you know what it is. And if you know what it is, you're in the know. If you don't know what yeah. it is, you're not in the know. And maybe, for all we know, they're that good that they don't need to make a lot of noise because the noise they're making for those who know who they are is all they need. And maybe they're growing in the background. I, I think they're a great company. So kudos out to the folks. And again, I'm a, I'm a Tim Reister fan. I love his books. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, have you got anything to wrap up on before I talk about EDM? I want to hear about you, Will. <laughs> I want to hear what is going on. Talk to me, man. So last week, I'll, I'll try and be open and as, uh, I'll, try and, I'll try and be as, as open as I can about this, right? Last week, um, I know you're having some thoughts about training and different directions you want to go and you want to think bigger and you're having a bit of a break. Right. Publishing some content at the By moment. Way, so let me be clear so people don't start, you know, uh, making Sorry. things up. Uh, basically, I've taken a break from creating content sure. just to get some distance and kind of reflect and think about what I want to do going forward. And then we sure. got into a conversation around that. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want to misinterpret, uh, mislead people there. Vid is going bigger, badder, and bolder. And it's, that's where this is all coming from, right? Which is inspiring to me. So... I, last week on the show, at the very top of the show, you were like, hey, Will, how's it going? I was like, hey, well, now you mentioned it, I don't feel great, and I've got a bit of a headache, and I've had a headache for about seven weeks now. 
Um, and I talked about earlier on the show uh, a few weeks ago that I wanted to take a week off and the week off didn't happen. So I was like, right, I need, I'm clearly not wired to just relax. I need to, I need to be do, the way I relax is by doing something, right? And so I was looking at my, uh, I basically made a list of what I do or what I've done that I could do for long periods of time and miss meals and uh, stay up till 3 a.m. like messing around and what 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 those things were. And there was a couple of them, like a clay pigeon shooting. I could literally just shoot clay, clay, clay pigeons all day. Not very practical. Uh, you can't really do that in your back garden uh, with, <laughs> with a dog. Um, and one of the things that came up was and jiu-jitsu. I really like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But again, I've, I've wrecked a bunch of my fingers doing that uh, over the past couple of years. I don't know how sustainable that is for like the long term. People talk about people in the fifties and sixties doing it, but you just get so battered every week that I'm not sure like how sustainable that is as a as a proper serious hobby that you're doing three or times a week. So I was like, well, what if I did just sit in a room? If I was logged in a room, what would I do all day? And it would be write music. So I started writing music. I played drums when I started playing drums when I was like 13, 14, played in bands, 15, 16, played in bands at university and college. And after college, when I moved down south in the UK for my first sales job, I had no mates, so no band. And so I started writing loads of what's now called EDM or electronic dance music. But back then, um, mainly I was writing kind of dubstep and, and trance and dance stuff. And it was all shit. It was all terrible. But I really enjoyed sitting there just creating music. So, Victor, this is a long-winded way of saying that as a hobby slash side hustle. I think we're going to start creating some content on this front, a new YouTube channel. I'm going to pitch you this. We've not mentioned this yet. I think I'm going to start calling it like part-time producer or something like that. So the the premise is it's going to be for people like me who are 30, 35. I forgot how old I was then. It's, it's depressing hearing that age. I'm sure even more depressing for you, Victor. Uh, but... <laughs> But for people who are never going to make it in the industry, right? I'm never going to make you know a number one best-selling record. I'm never going to have a which is like 99.9 percent of the people. Of yeah, course. Ahead, yeah. But coming from it from the perspective, that's never going to happen. But I enjoy doing it. So start creating content. See if we can create a side hustle on on the side of it and and make a little bit of money, whether it be YouTube views or or whatever it is. Um. So I'm really I've been reading a ton of books on it. So for if I buy four or five essentially textbooks on the subject of mixing, mastering, um the fundamentals of music theory. If I can get through all of them over the next month or so, I'm going to spend a couple of grand really invest in a bit of a studio and start writing some music. So yeah, I just wanted to mention this on the show because I, I know mental health is the hot button topic at the moment and everyone's banging on about it. My LinkedIn feed is full of people going this and that about mental health. But it's only in hindsight that I probably have been quite stressed, overworked and putting a lot of pressure on myself over the past few months. And this has really brought a new lease of life to me over the past few weeks reading these books. And I've been super turbocharged with all the content production and things we've been talking about behind the scenes of Selling Made Simple. Um, that's all now, again, accelerated because I've got something else to think about at the same time. So it was just a, it, that was a real wake-up call for me that, you know, I don't think that we have work-life balance. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I hate that kind of phrase, but having something else to focus on outside of work is clearly going to be beneficial for a lot of people. Oh, I can see. I think this is a great message, Will, that if you just kind of leave the stuff that you're doing alone, go find something that has, forget about trying to make money initially, just select something that just takes your brain away from what you're currently doing. In your mm -hmm. case, if you're going to create EDM, I, I was looking real quick because I came across this guy. You should look him up. He's called, he's called Sick Kick, S-I-C. K-I-C-K. -K. He wears a mask, almost like Dead Mouse, right? Mm -hmm. So in case you didn't think I'd know who Dead Mouse was. Okay, so Sick Kick does these mixes that are just incredible with all these tools. I've seen him before. Yeah, I, we'll oh, link to him in the show notes to this. Oh, over this Sick Kick. Sale. I love Sick Kick. He did a DMX uh, tribute mashup that was just incredible. And so Sick Kick is like, if I had to do something, I'd do what Sick Kick would do it if I was mm -hmm. doing music. So, But anyway, I like him. Uh... So I'm glad you found something. I think, like for me, I think I told you I do a lot of pen turning. I make pens, which I know I have not said. You never told me that. I have told you that. You told me that you had a lathe. And I was like, why has Victor got a lathe? Because my dad just bought a lathe. I was like, that's a, that's a weird thing. But then I don't think the conversation went any further. Pen turning, as in you, well, take a block of wood and turn it into a lathe, into a, and into a pencil. Yeah, a pen. I do pen turning. I do. So I Where's have this. Where's my pen? 
We've been doing the show for like I, I, six I, months, and you just sent me a pen. I, I gotta send you a pen. Send me your address. I gotta send you a pen. I so we never talked about this. So my my no. I started doing pen turning about a year and a half ago. In wow. fact, I should tell you this. I, I took a course. I tell you about the Adirondack chair I built. I took a, a two-day uh, period to build the Adirondack chair. It was nice. Well, the same place I learned pen turning. That's why I bought a lathe and I make pens. I make, I make. I, there's one pen I make that uh, it's made out of Irish bog uh, wood that's over 1,500 years old. Wow. It's just a beautiful, classic pen. I'll pick out something that reflects your personality. I have, I, love that. I have a, I have quite a library of pen. I, I'm actually like, I got cases of pens that I've made, and so I, the reason I'm, I'm backed up with pens, I still love doing them. But it's like what you said, just takes your mind out of mm-hmm. everything. You know, you're not thinking about business. You're just like in there creating this thing. Don't know if it'll work. We'll see. You know, and then boom, it comes out. You're like, oh, this is beautiful. But I was actually giving it to clients as a gift, as a thank you gift, mm-hmm. and they were just blown away when because I, I have a custom made box with labels and you know the whole thing and they're like you made this i'm like yeah i made that typically it takes about two maybe three hours to make one and so they were like i I remember one executive short story i mean he he got misty on me when he when you know i mean he really did i was like whoa okay it's just a pen yeah yeah so well i thought we talked about this but that's my thing on the side man yeah, well, we're not talking about it because you're trying to avoid making me a pen. After six months of working together on this show, week in, week out, you've been hiding it. This is your secret hobby, and I didn't even know about it. Man, you know what's sad? That I just sent over. Uh, what's the guy that from Sales Exchange? He's on your side uh, on your side of the pond. Ah, oh, I forgot his name. But anyway, I sent him one. You don't even know his name. You sent him well, a wait, pen. Wait, wait, I haven't got one. I'm having a brain glitch. I'm having a brain glitch. He's going to hate me for this. He's on Instagram. <laughs> Sales Exchange. What is his name? Damn it, i got to look him up now. Uh, but anyway, I, I well, that's cool. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I got to look him up because then I'll just think about this uh, sales exchange. Where's my man at? These sales exchange. Yeah, as I knew he wouldn't be here. Nope, can't find him. I'll find him later, and then I'll remember cool. his name, and then he's gonna yell at me. But anyway, so but yeah, I'm glad you're doing that. So uh, for the audience, we'd like to know, Will, when is your first song? When will you have one available for this week in sales, and then? If it's good enough, well, maybe we could use it as an intro song or an outro song. What do you think of that? Or maybe that maybe that becomes the ritual. Every outro of the This Week in Sales is one of your songs, man. Well, that's what I'd like to do. I think that would be nice for... Um, it's a, it's an extra layer of storytelling that I like to do with um, everything we do over at Salesman.org and you know, the collaborations with people like yourself, Victor, of if I can add that little bit of extra to it. Because people ask me, there's, a, there's an... I'm, I'm clear. I'm no composer. It's not going to be great. It'll be good. It'll be decent for a. Uh, I could. I could share kind of like from the back catalogue of what I've created in the past, and some of that would fit a show like this to do an intro. And outro. It's probably good. Um, Look, I'm, I'm going to push back because my. Uh, if you heard my sales influence podcast, you know that intro song, that's called Dream Killer. My son wrote that song. I tell myself I love this song. He's like, eh, I don't like that song. It's not that good. I'm like, I think it's a, it's a monster song. And so I bet your songs are going to be really good, man. Better than what you think. So we'll let the audience decide. Well, we'll find out. One thing I wanted to do was maybe do some live streams of maybe not on the salesman.org um, channel. Create a separate channel. As I said, I'm, I'm pondering this idea of, of part-time producers, essentially creating content, creating music for old people. Uh, like myself, who you know, just take it as, a, as seriously as a hobby, but don't expect to go anywhere with it. Um, but I'd like to just start live streaming. I'm, I'm really enjoying the live streams that we're doing. I'm going to do one this evening after we wrap up here, Victor. Uh, saying that, what time are we on? Just so I don't uh, mess up your next meeting. Um, I'm, I'm the live streaming and recording with yourself and Daniel Disney, and then on the Salesman Podcast when I'm having regular guests on. That's what's really entertaining me at the moment. I feel like that content is the best content we'll point out as well. Um, as opposed to just the random podcast interviews. So I'd like to do more live streaming. I'd like to be able to answer questions about the production side of things and perhaps answer sales and business questions on it as well. Maybe have that spin to the content. Oh, so, that'd be kind of, that'd be kind we'll of cool. We go yeah, that'd be kind of cool, actually. I actually thought about doing a uh, a live stream with pen making. Just put a camera yeah, over the do. lathe and just just go in there. And my because my, my, son, my son was telling me, he said, you don't have to talk. You just have to do the thing. And people just want to see you start and finish it off. And I'm like, I, I might do it. Who knows? But it's fun, man. I, I'm, I'm happy for you that you found something. I, I really am looking forward to hearing some of your music, man. Well, you'll you'll hear it and it'll probably make you gag a little bit at first. But eventually, uh, a few years down the line, it'll be good. But I think there's real value in this. Uh, one of the reasons I want to bring this up is the mental health thing. That's just a hot topic at the moment. Everyone's banging on about it. Fine. You know, there's better people, better 
people better versed to talk about it than me, but I found this has been really helpful for myself, just have an outlet, right? And then the other side of things is, I think customers, when you talk, the audience now, myself, are intrigued with your pen turning. I think just that little bit of opening yourself up and not being, not you personally, but the audience or sales professionals, opening themselves up to not just being that dude or that girl in, in the suit, on the webcam, on Vidyard, creating video messages, whatever it is. Just having that little bit of, hi, I sell XYZ. I do this at the weekend. Or hi, I do one, two, three. And I'm also one, two, three. I mean that's that's going to become increasingly important for the audience, and and that's going to be that's going to be the differentiator. That way, you used to walk into an office and go, "Oh, you play golf? I play golf as well. Do you know yada yada?" That clearly that doesn't exist anymore. It'll probably not exist in the future as people work remotely. So just opening yourself up, just that two three percent, and sharing your your hobbies, your interests. I think that's going to be valuable from a sales perspective as well. I agree. It's been it's been it's been one hell of a conversation starter. When I talk pen turn, they mm -hmm. go, "What pen, pen? What you make pens?" <laughs> I go, "Yeah." I said, and then so by the way, if you go on Instagram, you'll see some of them because uh, I, I you know I post a few here and there. But I mean, I got an album on my phone. I said, "Would you like to see some?" They're like, "Yeah." And then I start going through the catalog because I think I have I've made easily over a hundred pens if not 200, mm -hmm. I mean. And it, oh, wow. it just creates a wholly different conversation. I recently just made a cigar humidor where you can put a cigar in there with a matching pen set and just stuff like that. So it's really fun, man. But uh, so uh, looking forward to the song and maybe you can give yourself a like a like a DJ name or some your producer name, you know, not like- I, do, you got, I you, do need to think of something. By the way, uh, you Send your ideas over to uh, thisweekinsales.com if there's a good idea, I will, I will, I will stick to an idea that comes in. You Especially need a moniker. The, the you need a moniker. Stages of all this. Yeah, you need a moniker, man. That's yeah. cool. All right, man. Anything else? Nope, that is it. We'll wrap up there. Um, I will link to everything we talked about in the show notes of this episode over at thisweekinsales.com. I'm just on uh, Victor Antonio's uh, Instagram page, where there's a bunch of pens there. They look incredible. So I'll link to a few images of that in the show notes as well. Everything we talk about will be over there. That was Victor Antonio. Sales legend, pen turning expert, cheer creation supremacist. Well, I don't know. Uh, my name is Will Barrett. I'm the founder of Salesman.org, and that was this week in sales. <laughs>